Well, good morning. Welcome to our class. We are on part two of contemporary issues. Contemporary issues. We put out a survey, you voted, I tallied up the score, and technically there was a late submission on the tests and or on the surveys. And if I would have received that test earlier, this topic actually won. But because it came in late, it was disqualified, and the results were what they were. <laughs> Today we are on biblically educating children. And specifically when I'm talking about educating, this has to do with uh, schools, schooling. That's what we're going to zero in on. There's a lot of parts that go into education. This one's going to focus on schools. Now, this is a topic that is... Very personal for a lot of people. Anybody with kids, this is something you've already gone through, probably are going through with your grandchildren, or you will go through it if you have very small children, even if you don't have kids yet. This is a pretty major topic and one that can get people excited and um, upset. <laughs> so we are going to do our best to be respectful of one another. At the same time, we're not going to shy away from things that need to be said and teaching that needs to happen. Educating children. There is a quote that J.C. Ryle, famous pastor, records in one of his books. It's a quote from a certain Mr. Locke out of England. He says this, that of all the men we meet with, nine parts out of ten are what they are, good or bad, useful or not, according to their education. That was his observation. Based on how a child is educated, the majority of the times that will determine how they, how they are as they grow up, who they are in, in life. And again, education is not just what school you go to. Education is pretty comprehensive. But certainly, how you do schooling is a major part of educating children. Let's start with the biblical command regarding parents and children. We start in the book of Proverbs. If you have a Bible, go to Proverbs 22. The Bible has quite a bit to say and is very clear who is responsible primarily for children and for the raising of these children. In Proverbs 22.6, it says this, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I note already that there is a certain uh, inherent promise in there. The Lord is faithful to save children. We, uh, he frequently saves the children of believers. And it says here that if you train up a child in the way he should go, if you're faithful, the Lord will be faithful. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, we all know of cases where children don't always follow the instruction that they're given by their parents. So with necessary caveats, the normative circumstance, if you are biblically and properly raising your children, normally they stay in the faith and they are well-adjusted adults. That's according to Proverbs 22.6. Go down your page to verse 15 of chapter 22. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. 
We can fall into this idea that children are just these innocent little bundles of pure slate and, and white, just so not, not stained by anything. No, they are. there's folly bound up in the heart of a child. You don't have to teach them how to lie. They already, it's built in. You don't have to teach them to misbehave. It's built in. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, which means that they are in need of saving, just as you are. So we cannot look at our children and excuse sin. We are responsible to uh, use the rod of discipline, it says, to drive it far from him, as in be disciplined over your children. Later in Proverbs, in chapter 29, there's another couple verses we'll look at. By the way, I'm starting with some of the biblical command, and then we're going to apply it to this, to the educating part. 29.15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Parents, we are not to leave our children to themselves and as though we are just hands-off. I'm a hands-off parent. I don't need to be involved in, in, my, in educating them or in doing family worship, catechize. I'm just hands-off. I bring them to church once a week, and, and that's, that's, my, uh, that's my part. Well, the Bible does not allow us to do such things. Rod and reproof give wisdom. That means that the parent is active. You are active in the raising of your children. Do not leave them to themselves. You will pay for that later in life. It brings shame to the mother. And that always comes afterwards. So if you are completely hands-off in the disciplining and raising of your children, you pay for that later in life. And that child pays for it. Because they grow up unadjusted. They grow up undisciplined. Just two verses down, verse 17. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. See that again. How involved we are supposed to be as parents in the raising of the children. It is important that both the mother and the father are involved in raising of the children. And if that's broken, if you're not disciplining your kid or raising them properly, instead of giving delight to your heart, they're going to be giving shame to your heart, as 15 said. But otherwise, you have delight to look forward to. Many of you, if you are older, you have raised very godly children. And now they're adults and they're well-adjusted. You can attest. I'm sure I could ask you to give testimonies of how, how, much, how grateful you are. How much, uh, I don't want to use the word pride. You know, when you're proud of your child, but you're so happy and joyful about how your child has grown up and how productive they are for Christ and how they're now teaching your grandchildren. Like That is a joy that, is, that I hope to know one day. But that's one that you can only talk about really when you've experienced it. I think. First Samuel. We'll go there next. That's uh, earlier in your Bible than Psalms. But in First Samuel chapter three, the Lord is calling Samuel to Himself, and He has something to say about Eli. Eli. Uh, we're going to be in verses twelve and thirteen. The context isn't too important, but just pick up on 12 and 13. This is the Lord speaking. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew. Because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. 
You see how the attitude that God takes to somebody who is supposed to be overseeing their children, and their children are blaspheming God, and what did Eli do? Hands off. Just let it happen. He was not actively in involved in his children's raising, and raising them to know the Lord, knowing the fear and discipline of the Lord. Hands off. That is something that the Lord curses. I will punish his house forever. God takes this very seriously. Now, Israel knew what they were supposed to do with their children because it was given to them in the Shema of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, you are, I'm sure, familiar with Deuteronomy chapter 6 because this is what the Israelites were... They, they prayed this every morning and evening. 6-4. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.4 Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Pay attention to verse 7. You shall teach them, that is, the laws and the words of God, diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You can keep going if you would like. But the principle is clear. You are supposed to, as a parent, be learning about the Lord. Know the ways and the words of God. And then it is on you to be teaching them in your home to the children. And this is where it's important to bring up that the type of hands-off parenting spiritually that just treats the church as the discipline model for your children and the raising and instructing of your children is not acceptable according to Deuteronomy 6. The church is an aid to you. It is not the primary discipler of your children. That's the parent. Each parent in Israel had to do this for their children. And you see how comprehensive it was when you get up, when you lie down, when you're driving your Toyota. Whatever you're doing, at any time is the time to bring up the Lord. And how often we can get very timid about bringing up the Lord or of speaking... Um, very truthfully, even because it can be hard, and children might not react how you want, or you can be dis, uh, disappointed in how they respond to your trying to dis disciple them in Christ. And and yet, according to Deuteronomy six, it is a command, and according to Proverbs twenty two, the expectation is they will not disappoint you when they grow up if we are faithful to do this. And finally, out of the New Testament, Ephesians chapter six. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is continuing some of his household code talk. And he's talking about children and parents. And verse 4, he has something to say to fathers in particular. Uh, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Your behavior and the way that you talk is going to leave an impression upon your children. And if it's provoking them to anger, you are provoking them to something that the Lord does not bless. He does not bless this. Now it says, don't provoke them to anger. It doesn't just say in your words, but by your example, by your actions, by your lifestyle. If you are provoking your children to anger, you are not bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so it's in the New Testament just as it's in the Old Testament. 
So if I asked a simple question, who is primarily responsible for the educating of children? In the comprehensive sense, not just in schooling. Who is it? It's parents. It's absolutely the parents. Okay. So the conclusion is, it is the parents' primary responsibility to raise their children in a godly way. This includes more than just formal education. Christian families teach their children by example, uh, by church attendance, by family worship, by singing in the house, by catechism, by how you treat one another in the home, etc. Actually, this is something that I did with my children. I think I've shown it to this class before. I found this for free online, the Heidelberg Catechism for Young Children. So I found this. It simplifies all of the questions, so it's not like these long sentences. It's, it's quite basic. I'm just going to open to a random page. Uh, talking about the Lord's Prayer, question 114. What is the third petition? Answer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A child can remember that. A child can answer that. And so this is something that we did in my home. Heidelberg Catechism for Young Children. You can find it for free online. I can print one for you if you'd like. But family worship is not something to be discarded. There should be formal instruction in the home to the children regarding the faith. And family worship doesn't have to be extensive. If you don't know what I'm talking about, all it really means, you sit your children down, you read a portion of scripture, you could do different things with that. You can just, do, you can just read a chapter and have them listen and maybe to ask them a couple questions. Or you have them memorize parts of the Psalms. My, uh, some family friends to me, they teach their boys to memorize Psalms and they have the first three Psalms memorized. It's beautiful. These kids are young and they're, they're, they're reciting the Psalms. And one time I was with them and I purposely misspoke one of the Psalms and the boy corrected me. No, that's not what it says. It was adorable and I loved it. So, and then you can teach them kids songs, gospel songs, hymns, all types of things. And you pray with them. Just, it doesn't have to be long, 15, 20 minutes. You could even go less than that. But there's lots of ways to engage your family in worship of the Lord. And the example that you set when children see their parents coming together to worship God in the home, not just in the church building, that leaves an impression that is usually more powerful than anything they hear at church or anything they hear at youth group. All right. Now let's move to education options. So we do know that education is more than just formal schooling, but it's not less than formal schooling. So let's talk about it. In North America, our history has been to um, prioritize and elevate the formal educating of kids. Uh, especially in the early days of North America, you think of the schools that were founded here, even of higher education, Harvard, founded by Christians to teach Christianity, Yale, founded by Christians to teach Christianity. Almost every institution of higher education was a Christian one. And this was on purpose because the early North American, or the uh, early America and in Canada, there was a high priority of uh, formal education of children in a Christian way. Because the education system was an aid to what the parents did. And so Christians were the ones who pushed for sending kids to school. It was Christians who wanted that. Now, they were more careful about where they would send their kids. Back in those days, basically every school was a Christian school. Uh, but if, there was a, if something was starting to liberalize or, or <coughs> become compromised in some way, they started a new school. 
That was the story of Harvard and Yale. Harvard was first founded by Christians, and then they were concerned that it was liberalizing. So they found Yale to be a more conservative Christian uh, school. Interesting point of history, because neither of them really honor their, their founding. So Christians have always prioritized formal education of children, at least in North America we have. And so let's look at some of our options. We got public school. Now, probably, if you, did you go through the public school system? I did. Most of us probably did. I did as well, and it wasn't that long ago that I was still in the public school system. Um, so I still remember it pretty well. And I remember when I was in school, you could still speak openly, but cautiously, if you know what I mean. Like, I took a, a course on diverse families in modern society, something like that is what I took in, in high school. And they're trying to give the definition of a family. And I uh, chime in at one point that I believe a family is a mother and a father. Uh, to the exclusion of any other, that it could be two fathers or two mothers. And another student was like, so you don't think a gay couple could have a family? I said, no. And the teacher did not get me in trouble. The teacher allowed me to say it. Certainly did not agree with me. And a couple students were upset. But the point being, I was still free to say that, but it wasn't, I could tell the tension that it was bringing. And from everything that I have read and studied and the testimonies I have heard, you couldn't even say today in a classroom what I said those years ago. I remember somebody gave a speech. You remember speeches in school? I remember a speech given in the gym. So they gra their speech was usually just done in front of your class, but then certain ones could be done in front of the whole school in the gym. And a Christian student did a speech on pro-life issues. This would have been 15 years ago. And they gave a speech to the whole school presenting the pro-life position and against abortion. That was at Mill Street Public School in Leamington, Ontario. And from everything I'm hearing, you could not get away with something like that today. Maybe in some schools, but most of them, if not all of them, there's no way you can do that today. What I'm saying is things are not the same anymore. As we get into that, now, why do we send children to public school? Let's do a basic pros, cons of public school, private school, and homeschool. And I got private slash Christian. Um, well, I think number one, it's so convenient. It, it's, it's obviously the most convenient option. Pro for public school, convenient. And by that, I mean uh, you get them in your car, or you take them to the bus stop, they get picked up, or you drop them off, and each parent can now have some other productivity that they do. One might be out of the home working, and then the other one might also be working or could be uh, doing whatever they do at home. Basically, it frees you up to do other stuff. It's very convenient. You don't, for those six, seven hours a day, they are out of the home, the children are, it's very convenient. Probably the other big, big, big uh, pro on the public school side, it is monetarily affordable. Monetarily affordable. Because we pay for it in our taxes. So you're not paying much extra. You gotta pay for their supplies, but outside of that, it's not expensive to send kids to public school. That's why we do, that's why, my, that, that's why I went primarily. Uh, very affordable. And I think, one of the other pros, and you'll, 
Um, this will come back later on. There is a very high amount of social interaction with peers and those in authority. It's not just one authority figure or just their brothers and sisters. There's a lot of interaction with peers um, and those in authority. So high int, that means interaction with peers and authority. Those are some of the big ones, big pros of public school. Do you think there's a, maybe a fourth one we could add to that or does that summarize it about? John? The sports team. Athletics, yeah. events. Opportunities. Okay, extracurriculars. Yeah, extracurriculars. I might as well just put the E in front of it. <laughs> extracurriculars, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, let's, uh, let's talk about some of the cons of public school. Uh, it's not all rosy. Um, I think the... There might be one more pro. Yeah, what's that? They can get more supports for children that have higher needs. Yes. Ah. Sure. An untrained parent or a private school. So... They have way more support for kids with needs. More support for needs. Although I wonder if that... Is that point different, really, than, say, homeschooling? Because then the parent would be the best. I don't know many parents that are like special education specialists. Okay. I, I disagree. Because our kids get all the extra help that they need when we homeschool. And they go to therapies and get all the extra that they need. That's kind of what I was getting at. Like, the and I know a lot of homeschool moms that their kids get speech, physio, all the extra things that they need. Hmm. So it can be done. We'll leave it there for, for now. We can fill up the lists. Cons of public school. Uh, I think the one that Christians in particular need to be in tune with. It has become increasingly and aggressively secular. This is not just, oh, we're just going to live and let live. Everybody's just going to kind of be themselves and be, have their own worldview. That's not what, this, what it is anymore. It is in becoming intolerant of Christians and Christ, historic Christian belief. And to show you that, on some of the tables I put this CBC article. This came out just this past week. Uh, if everybody already, I, your table already knows this article, please pass it to a table that doesn't have it. I didn't print enough copies. It's from CBC, Windsor. School policy means students can identify by different gender and name without parent knowledge. Some parents oppose policy while school boards say it protects students. You go further in here, uh, what does it mean? Like how many, how many kids can do this, can identify by a different gender and name without parents' knowledge? They said there's no, there's no limit. So that means as young as four years old. Without the parents knowing, they can be, your little boy can be referred to as a little girl and can be called Tiffany instead of Jack. You don't get any say about it. And they can change their mind every day of the week and you have to obey it. In the words of a teacher. So this, by the way, this is not CBC Toronto. This is not CBC New York. This is CBC Windsor. This is Windsor-Essex County District School Board. This is what's going on. You ever fly, or, or not fly, you ever drive around Windsor in the month of June, drive by schools and you look at the flagpole? Mm -hmm. What do you see? Like as Marlene said, 
This is not a place that is just tolerant of Christians. Everyone can just be who they are. This is a place that is becoming increasingly and aggressively intolerant of Christians, and you need to be aware of it. I'm not saying that automatically rules out any, uh, any possibility of public schooling whatsoever, but I'm saying this is a significant issue that we cannot be under, underscoring or underplaying. Anyone can comment while I write this if you'd like. I was just going to say that's a feature, not a bug, because it is the intention to separate the child from the influence of the parent in order to adopt it. That's right. And I was already experiencing some of this when I was in high school. It's way worse now. But it was already shifting when I was in high school. Uh, probably number two. This one might, you may or may not have thought about this one before. But the way that we do public school is the least efficient means of educating. Now, what I mean by that, like, just think about this practically. You got 30, sometimes 40 students, and you got one teacher there. There is no possible way that teacher is going to be able to efficiently teach every single student, get them all on the same level, especially if a couple or one, even one student's not getting it, slows down the whole class, and you can't proceed. That is the nature of big classrooms, one teacher. It's, it's just not very efficient. It can be done but it's the least efficient means of doing this. Least efficient. I'm just trusting you can read what's going on here, or you're taking your own notes. Least efficient. I thought of one more con. I'm, sh there's, I'm sure there's more. I'm just trying to keep it very broad category. One more big con, and this kind of relates to the intolerance of Christianity that's growing. There is a high exposure to and pressure to participate in sin and in worldliness in the public school system. That was already true 10, 15 years ago when I was in it. It's true 30 years ago. It's true 40 years ago. But just the nature of who you are. Christians are the minority in public schools. There's a high exposure to sin. You're going to get exposure to sin everywhere you go. But um, in public school, it's much more open, and there's pressure to participate in it. Any other big con you can think of? One of them that you have listed, the third one down in the pro section is, is I would say, a con. One, two. Uh, high uh, interaction with peers and those in authority. Those authority, yeah. Really what children need is influence from their elders. Hmm. I mean, then you're at, you're at, the question is, who are the peers? Who are those in authority? Yeah, if they're not, if they're not godly people. They're protecting their own views on the students. Yeah. They don't care. And the school board protects them, and they're very left union protects them. You can have a teacher teaching abstinence and they're going to get reprimanded for that. You're supposed to be teaching safe sex. So if they're not, trust me, if you're not an involved parent and you're not on top of your kids, the books in the library, they have books on their pronouns now. Like you have to be vetting your kids. It is, it's, it's like 30 full-time jobs constantly. And the way that they package it, like you have to remember, these are minors. And the gender theory and all the sexual, like, you have to be on it. And I would implore all of you, we have school board trustees are being voted on for October 24th. Find out who's in your riding, who's in your ward, do your homework, because the next four years is critical of what's going to happen in this school board. Do your work. You might not have kids, you might have grandkids, but do it for the future of children, because it is on, whew, 
it's on a fast train to not a good place. Not a good place. I was going to save that for the end, but pretty much besides Linda Quinn, is it? Ken, yeah. Ken in Windsor area. You can pretty much keep it simple for yourself. Don't vote for any trustee that was here last election. Yeah. Very simple. Every single one except her, garbage. Yeah. Garbage. So just vote the opposite. Yeah. And if you know one of them personally, sorry, but I know them all and I don't think you even, so. John? Which one was good? Linda Ken. You see her signs around here. She's surrounding. Yeah. She's the only one Ken. through the last four She's years, Asian. and especially the last two and a half years, yeah. that has been doing anything to protect Do everyone, even research. not in her writing. A lot of them so. support the gender theory, identity, all even this like hiding the pronoun. They're, they're coming from an angle that, oh, this is to protect children if they come from an abusive home and they come out, they're going to get beat. Well, then that's a CAS issue. You shouldn't be protecting that, right? If it's that severe, you're trying to protect them, this goes above and beyond, mm. you know? And you put teachers in an uncomfortable position, flat out. They're there to teach in curriculum, not to indoctrinate. So, and that's what they're doing today. Yes, and you, need, so you just have to be, do your part as much as you can. What about abortion, where young girls get abortion in high school without parents knowing? Um, does anybody? That's like federal law, so that's not like school law. It's covered by OHIP, so I mean, you just go in and yeah, get it done, and no one knows. Yeah. And that would kind of be no matter what schooling yeah, you're in. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to move on. Let's get. I want to fill this out, and then we'll have the rest of the time to talk about it. Let's go to private and Christians. Thanks for your comments, by the way. Private Christian schooling actually has a lot of the same pluses that you might think of public school. It's convenient as well. Yeah. It's another one where both parents are freed up to, uh, freed up, I guess you could say. It's very convenient. Not only that, but it is tolerant of or teaches Christianity. So as opposed to being aggressively against it, they're supposed to be teaching Christianity. <coughs> teaches Christ. And then finally, uh, I know we we're talking about this point number three here, the interaction with peers and authority. It can be a negative. I think there's aspects of it that are a tremendous positive. But what, if it's positive here, it's positive here as well. Interaction, I'm just going to put. Because you are with lots of others and um, just like you are with public school. So a lot of the same things, just the difference is while this one is aggressively teaching a certain worldview or several worldviews against Christianity, this one's supposed to be teaching it. Otherwise, you're basically a, it's basically the same thing. Now the cons, there are two very heavy cons on the private Christian school. The number one, expensive. Oh my, have you looked at how expensive it is to put kids in Christian or private schools? it will bankrupt you, pretty much. So it's just not an option, seemingly, for a lot of parents to be able to do this. At least if, you're, if you don't got money in the bank, you need help, you, it, it's tough. It's very, very expensive. And then the second big con is you are very limited in your options. We have Christian schools or private schools in Windsor, but how many that teach Reformed Christian Orthodox faith and does it faithfully? We're pretty limited on our options. And that's in Windsor. This is an area of several hundred thousand people. Go across the landscape of Canada, most of them have absolutely no good options available to them. 
And so it's expensive and the options are limited. And even then, if it says it's a Christian school, it's like sometimes it doesn't really differ much from a public school. So you gotta be so choosy. You gotta do your homework and research and know the teachers and trustees and you gotta be very dedicated uh, to knowing what you're doing if you're sending them to private Christian school. I'm sure there's other cons as well, but those are some of the very big ones. Um, I think you get a high exposure to sin in a Christian school too. They just hide it a little bit better. They're not as open about it. But it happens in Christian schools too. Homeschooling. Now this is one that has grown in popularity. Uh, it was already growing in popularity pre-COVID. Every year the percentage goes up a little bit, but since 2020 it's like a pretty big spike in how much homeschooling is going on. That's not all religiously motivated, but a lot of it is religiously motivated. Uh, homeschooling was the only option in Canada for a while while schools were not open. Uh, some pros of homeschooling. Number one, and this is going to contrast with what I said over here about efficiency, it is the most efficient means of teaching. Now, I'm not, it's going to depend on the parent, it's going to depend on the teacher, so you have those who will not be very effective in their teaching if they're not adjusted as a parent and as a teacher. But by and large, just the methodology is the most efficient way to do it. I, it tracks with the data as well. Homeschooled children tend to outperform public school children in nearly every metric in terms of uh, math, science, the various topics. Homeschooled children tend to outperform. And that makes sense. They have a parent who's on them. It's one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two, one-on-three. It's not one-on-thirty. Uh, you don't have to go at the, low, at the pace of the, the, the slowest, but you can tailor it to your, child, to your child. Uh, you don't, you're not restrained to this is our grade four curriculum. Uh, they've got it, you can just keep on moving. So, it's, so the other part of that is it's highly adaptable too. So I'm gonna have that, I have that as separate. It is adaptable and comprehensive. I'll talk about that. Basically the teaching method is not sit in a class at a desk for six hours. You can teach through cooking and you can teach math through cooking. You can teach through going to the grocery store. You can teach through going to the park and doing a lesson there. It's very adaptable, because you, you're the one who sets the terms for it, essentially. Very adaptable. It is efficient and comprehensive. It's more than just sitting at a desk. And then finally, Christian. Christian education. Obviously, I'm making assumptions there about the worldview of the parent, but the way that, for our purposes, it's a Christian education. Now the cons of homeschooling, high amount of effort. This is not convenient in, in the terms of you can't just send them on a bus or drop them off at school. This, you are hands-on every day. High effort. And then finally, this is one, uh, there's a stereotype about homeschooled children and their social interactions. This typically homeschooling is the least amount of social interaction you can get. You have to be extremely dedicated to have your children around um, other homeschooling parents and families or in the church or in athletics. It's not just conveniently there. You have to, do, it goes with the high effort. You have to get them out into, into communities, into small groups, into whatever, co-ops. It's a lot of effort. Can you think of any other major pro or major con of homeschooling? And then we'll turn it to discussion. I don't 
price-wise, how much homeschooling costs. I'm assuming it's at least less expensive than a private Christian school. Yeah. Significantly it cheaper. Can be free, or it can be as expensive as private school. It depends on the curriculum you choose, what you want to use. I mean, you can do it for like fairly cheap. There's a lot of free curriculum that's yeah. Christian curriculum out there. There's expensive stuff. It's, so it varies according to what you're looking for. Yeah, what you're looking for, and then what the children too, right? What works best for them. It certainly does not. Error, it certainly does not have to be as expensive as this. You don't have to do that. There, there's ways to do it that is significantly cheaper, but it's going to be more expensive than than public school. I think just the one con I have is. There is a lot of trial and error with homeschool because we went through a lot of different curriculum with each of the kids, finding something that actually works with them. So that can be, and really getting to know how your child learns and what's going to work for them is, it is a con because it can be stressful and it can be expensive. Right. Overwhelming and then, I wonder if that falls under the umbrella of the high effort that you have to put in. It's a lot of work. Another con to like our, our cognitive ability, there's only so far the average person can go in science and math before you're like, I am tapped out. I, I'm not a professional in this area. What are you going to do at that point? But we got to be honest, not all of us are math whizzes or science whizzes. We can pretend we are, but most adults can't go past grade five math, generally speaking. So. That's just fact, right? So, yeah. and that's just math, right? So what about science, right? Like, so there comes a point where you gotta say, okay, am I actually doing a, a service to my child or am I starting to kind of just teach only what I'm comfortable with, right? So yeah. you gotta be careful with that. Just like I'm not, right? Yeah, and that's why I think a lot of homeschooling parents have homeschooled their kids through grade eight. And then they, once they get to high school, plenty of them will then have them go to public high school because they feel like they're maybe tapped out of I, I'm not, I can't transfer much more knowledge here mm -hmm. on these topics. Yeah, Wendy. Um, two questions. I, I'm just asking this question for children who are homeschooled. Uh, um, and then another comment about Christian children, but the children who are homeschooled, my, my grandchildren were homeschooled, but how, if you have a child with a difficulty, for instance, either a slow learner or uh, um, one who's very motivated, like a QN, how are they going to, one, how are they going to be identified with, uh, with your special needs? Or are, are there um, uh, people that they can access very, with, in, in the education system, there are, they're not, there's uh, counselors. There's right, so yeah, when <laughs> it's, it's increased. Teachers yeah. are not the right counselor, counselor but psychologists, whatever, that, that can identify their special needs, whether it be yep. the gifted kid or the, in the public school system, yeah. the amount of So you're right, in the Christian schooling, there's a lot more opportunity to use Christian practices to end a disagreement, to solve a conflict. The fact that you can pray with kids, 
Yeah, I don't think you're doing that when you're breaking up a fight in the public school system. But you can do that in private, in Christian schooling. Now, on your first comment about kids with special needs, I think Ryan brought up the good point. There are, su there are supports now today for special needs students that simply didn't exist 20 years ago, 40 years ago. There is more support now for those with special needs than ever before. And presumably that's only going to increase, but... Uh, but how does that help in the Yep, and that's just what you have to do, and you look for the government if they provide any type of subsidies for that, but I wouldn't know all the information about that. Right. And it's part of, you know, your regular doctor routine, eye doctor routine, dentist. Like I said, I have three children that are involved with the John McGibney Center that get their extra treatments that they need there. Mm -hmm. And if we do need tutoring, then we, there's tutors available for them as well. Um, having one that was in public school for a couple of years that had special needs, when we started homeschooling him, I had to start him back at a kindergarten level because he wasn't getting the help that he needed in the school. He was overlooked. They said everything was fine with him. There was nothing wrong with him. But since he's been, since I've been homeschooling him, he's gotten all the help he needs. Right. He's, I mean, if he went to public school, they would say he was a grade behind. But to me, he's where he's supposed to be. Yeah. So with working with him and he's getting, yeah. And she's, and she's correct. And that, like, the sad truth is, certain schools have more and some have less. So there's schools in our system where those children in the rise room is now called not special education, but anyway. Um, there's two or three and they're focused on like crazy. There's many other schools in our school board where we have 50, 100, 150 children in the school with IEPs. It's like an individual education plan, especially. So there's schools where the literally the room is jam-packed with children that need extra help, and there's other schools where you're literally one or two kids, that's it. So that also makes it tough. Unfortunately, that's a con in the public system because of that. Um, it's great if you live somewhere or you, your children attend a school that has barely any. Unfortunately, if you live in certain areas or you have a certain school, they're jam-packed. Right. Jam-packed. Like there's like three-year waiting list just to get in identified. So. The final point I want to make is from this article we're passing out here. Tim Challies. Tim Challies was a bit of a spokesman for a long time because he and his wife decided, they live in Toronto, he's a pastor in Toronto, they decided that what was best for their family was public schooling. And they defended the, the position and I think that they were a very, uh, I think that they were wise about the way that they went about it. It's a conscience thing, the way that they said it, like what's best for us is not necessarily what's best for you and, and things like that. And so he had two children go through all public schooling and they both came out and are still fi uh, fine Christians, although one suddenly passed away. Um, his youngest is a daughter and she just completed grade 10. And what Tim Challies and his wife did, when they were finished high school, he would interview each of them and say, you don't be scared of anything you say. I'm just going to take your answers as you say it. And he asked, like, uh, about the education, was it good for you? Would you have preferred more Christian schooling, homeschooling? What were the dangers of this? What were the benefits? Just all kinds of things. All the articles are on his, on his blog. 
And it, on August 22nd, just a couple months ago, his daughter, who just finished grade 10, comes up to him and says, Dad, I want to be homeschooled. She asked to be taken out of the public school system. And so he's, that's why the title is, The Day We Became Homeschoolers, the very first sentence, we have unexpectedly become homeschoolers. <laughs> they got two children all the way through, but the youngest switches now going into her final two years. And I would just encourage you maybe to, to peruse through this article. She says that a lot of good things have come from the public school system, no doubt, but she... Here's one question on page three. Did you find it hard to be a Christian in public school and did you feel pressure to conform to a non-Christian standard? Answer, yes to both questions. Being a Christian was always a challenge for me, but it wasn't really until high school that it became unmanageable. I think the public school system in Canada has taken a very sharp turn in the past few years. Suddenly, half my day became about the LGBTQ plus community, about racism and various similar topics. While I was willing to listen and learn different opinions and views related to these topics, I think where things have changed are in my ability to have an opinion different from everyone else. I'm not really allowed to be a Christian anymore. This is somebody who is there. This isn't in New York. This isn't in France. This is Ontario, Canada. Um, finally, at the very end, Tim gives his own comments after this interview. Tim again. I've... I've interviewed my kids, uh, one sentence, I find it interesting that each of them has expressed that something significant has changed between when they began and when they ended, a theme each of them arrived at without prompting. That would seem to reflect society today, and on the, the top sentence on the last page, for example, in his youngest daughter's last English class, they read one book which was a contemporary novel on the subject of racism, and spent much of the rest of the semester dissecting Kendrick Lamar lyrics. That's a rapper. Yet when Michaela wanted to write about the Christian undertones in the songs, she was told she could only write about his experience as a black American. This is somebody who's in the public school system who just asked her Christian pastor father to take her out of it. This is not a joke. This is not low stakes. These are serious things. So my conclusion, as we're rapidly out of time, in light of the scriptural duties to raise our children in the ways of the Lord, we have to make decisions in educating our children, which honors God's commands. It's on the parents, right? Now, on a, there's various ways to do this on a theoretical level. I don't think any of these are bad per se on a theoretical level. On a practical level, in modern times... This is my view. You can disagree with me, but I think it's hard to now. It's getting harder and harder to justify sending children into schools that hate Christianity. It was Vody Bauckham who gave an amazing quote. You can't, be you can't be surprised when you send your children to Caesar that they come back as Romans. They're being taught to hate the Christ that they hear about in church. This isn't like just fringe comments. You get it from a girl who just asked to be taken out of it. Now, in some circumstances, it may be the best decision, despite the risks, for those who do not have the means to do Christian school or homeschooling, to, this might be one of their only options that they have. So your situation is not the same as everybody else's. There's hard circumstances out there that they have to take the risk. But if you have the means... To do otherwise, I would implore you to think about it.
I was recently in school. I, it's not an innocent place. However, we must be careful not to unfairly criticize others who make different choices than us. We don't know their full circumstances. Their conscience might be different on the issue. There needs to be some grace on it. And finally, salvation is in the hands of the Lord. Just because you send them to a certain school or do a certain way doesn't mean guaranteed they're going to be a Christian or guaranteed they're not going to be a Christian. Salvation is in the hands of the Lord. We have to be faithful to our part, and the Lord will do as the Lord wills. Any final comment, John? Regardless of which option you choose, I think the evangelical church has failed their children by not being obedient to Deuteronomy 11.19. Well, let me go 18. You shall lay up these words of mine in your heart, in your soul, bind them as on your hand. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them, when you sit in your house, walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. That's not happening in the home. That's right. So parents, take the spiritual dis discipling of your children seriously. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here and allowing us to discuss these important issues. Would you be speaking to us through your word about how to be the parents that you call us to be, how to raise our children in the way that is godly, and make wise decisions for our children. Provide for us, Lord. I ask now that you would prepare our hearts for the worship service. Amen.